0: No, but we will be there this morning a little while. We're going to continue our study in uh, Matthew chapter 8, and I want to share with you the passage that we talked about last week, but one verse in particular. And it's been confusing to many people today, and hopefully this will help clarify it, but we need to look at it and we need to see what it says because many people have been discouraged over this many people have been accused of not having enough faith Uh, that's why certain things didn't happen the way that they should have and all of this so in matthew chapter 8 beginning in verse 14 it says and when jesus had come to peter's home he saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever and he touched her hand and the fever left her and she arose And waited on him. And when evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill. They were brought to him. In order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, And this is the key verse that they latch on to, these evangelists that confuse us here. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Is healing in the atonement? Is it in the atonement? If it is, what kind of healing is it? Does it include the physical as well as the spiritual? If so, Did Jesus heal everybody that was brought to him? And if he did, then why isn't everybody being healed today physically? Is it because we don't have enough faith? These are some of the questions that arise from a passage like this. We've got to take it within its context, right? And we've got to see what it says. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I want to thank you for these people. I want to thank you for what you've done in their lives this week and what you're doing at this time. And I just pray that you'll be glorified, that you'll be honored in everything that's said and done. We thank you for the music. We thank you for the time of fellowship, the opportunity to give uh, through offerings and, and tithes. And now, Lord, we just thank you for this time where we can look at your word and the message that you have for us. And I just pray that we'll allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. God, take your truth, reveal it to us. Help nothing be said that doesn't need to be said. But what needs to be said, especially in clarifying things and in helping us in our walk with you, I pray will be said. But only to glorify you, God. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. When I was at my home church in Rome, West Rome Baptist, we, uh, we had this neat ministry. And this ministry came primarily from Cave Springs, Georgia. That's where my parents uh, grew up. And uh, the ministry was a deaf ministry. And we were, they were training different people to work with this. And there would be a whole section over there. We'd bust them in and there'd be a whole section of uh, uh, those from the deaf school there in Cave Springs. And it was really neat. I, I never learned much of it. What I learned was from my dad who uh, picked it up because his dad and uh, they grew up around there and his dad ran the, the cave and, and the uh, swimming pool down there in Cave Springs. So I would look at them and and just be amazed at them interpreting the Scripture. I mean, uh, not only the reading of the Scripture, but the message to that group of people. And one that was doing that was a dear, little 16-year-old girl. She was precious. I mean, she was as sweet as could be. And she was doing that, and boy, it just seemed like she beamed with the glory of God. And she just loved it. She loved the ministry, the opportunity to serve. But there was something that was troubling with her, and that was she had had leukemia as a child. She had lived a long time, much longer than... I guess some of them thought that she would. And uh, at age sixteen, uh, shortly after that, she began to get sicker, and they couldn't do anything for her. You know, she got to that point, and and so they um, they they tried everything, and they even went to First Baptist Atlanta, and the elders there laid hands on her and prayed, and she came back, and she was beaming, and. And she said, I've been healed. I just believe I've been healed. And then when she was a senior in high school at age 18, she passed away. What happened in her situation? She believed that she was healed, or so she said. Is there healing and the atonement. Now some evangelists would claim that she just didn't have enough faith. Isaiah 53 5 states he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Now you know what that is. Our sins. They're talking about. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him and by his wounds we are healed now that's the key what does that talk about what does that involve They say that when Jesus died on the cross that he not only paid the penalty for our sins but he also bore our sicknesses and our diseases They tell us that not only should we go to Jesus for the cleansing of our sins, but also for the healing of our infirmities and our diseases. These evangelists also say that when Jesus was on earth, that he healed everyone who came to him. He never turned a single person away. They also claim that if he didn't turn anyone away while on earth, then he won't turn anyone away now. And finally, these evangelists say that Jesus is the same today as he was yesterday and will remain the same forever. And if he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then that means that he will heal everybody today just as he did when he was on earth. Now, if all of this is so, then why did this sweet little girl at West Rome Baptist died. She said that she believed that she had been healed. Maybe she just didn't believe hard enough. Is that the problem? Maybe there was some kind of unconfessed sin in her life. Maybe it, she didn't know about it. Surely something must have happened. If there is not a reason for her not being healed, maybe there isn't physical healing then in the atonement. None at all. What is this passage saying concerning the text that it mentions from Isaiah that Matthew brings out here in chapter 8? Well, first of all, I want to say that Isaiah 42, 49, 50, and 53 we have what is known as four servant songs. In Isaiah 53, we have the suffering servant song. In it, Christ's work and person is developed more than uh, any other servant song that is mentioned. In chapter uh, 49 of Isaiah and in other places, it's clear that this is not talking about Israel, but someone else. For it mentions a servant ministering to Israel rather than a nation ministering to a nation. So if if that's so, then who is it talking about? We need to find out who it's talking about. It's clear that Isaiah had some individual in mind and not a nation. But who is that individual? Some say that he was referring to Jeremiah. Some say that King Hezekiah was the one mentioned. Or Zerubbabel, the one who endured a great deal of suffering. The person Isaiah is referring to is someone that he is looking for. Not someone that already has come or was there. He was looking for someone who would do things That nobody else had ever done. It seems to be talking about someone who would atone and make substitution for the sins of the world. Not just the sins of Israel but for the sins of the whole world. And one key to interpreting this passage is also you you look at other passages that relate to this. And in Acts chapter 8 we have this eunuch mentioned and he's reading from this passage Isaiah and in that story we have him the Ethiopian eunuch riding in a chariot reading the book of Isaiah when Philip appears and he comes up to him and he asked him what he was reading and if he understood what he was reading and the eunuch said how could I understand without someone explaining it to me and the passage from Isaiah went like this. If you look it up in Acts chapter 8, 32. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shear is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Woe will, or who will, relate his generation. For his life is removed from the earth. And the eunuch went on to ask, who is the prophet talking about? himself or someone else. And then Philip went on to explain that the passage was talking about Jesus Christ, the suffering Savior who would deliver the world from their bondage and sin. Isaiah, some 700 years before Christ, penned those words of prophecy concerning Christ and his incarnation. No Old Testament figure or any figure since the first century is more accurately or more fittingly described as the suffering servant in the 53rd chapter of uh, of Isaiah than Jesus Christ. In chapter 53, we have the ministry and life of Jesus described for us. In Isaiah 52, 13 through 53, 12, we have the Hebrew poetry where it's divided into Five different strokes. The first is Isaiah 52, 13 through 15, the exaltation of the suffering servant. Second, Isaiah 53, 1 through 3, the rejection of the suffering servant. And then third, Isaiah 53, 4 through 6, the passion of the suffering servant. And then fourth, Isaiah 53, 7 through 9, the submission of the suffering servant. And 5th, Isaiah 53, 10 through 12, the reward of the suffering servant. We can clearly see that this is a prophetic picture of the suffering servant who came and suffered on the cross for you and I. So that we could be healed, so that we could be cleansed, and we could be atoned concerning our sinful condition. We know that Isaiah is talking about being healed spiritually. For in verse 6 he says, All we like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him. In Peter he wrote, referring to Isaiah 53, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. We know for sure that Isaiah is referring primarily, may I say, primarily to spiritual healing. But his physical healing included. Matthew 8:16. he says, When evening has come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and they, he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were ill, in order that what was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled saying he himself took our iniquities and carried away our diseases. Now doesn't this sound like Jesus died for the redemption of our bodies as well as for healing? What does Isaiah 53 mean when he says and by his stripes we are healed? Does that include the redemption of our bodies as well as our souls? If so, why is it every believer healed then? Should every believer expect to be healed physically? Not just spiritually, but physically. From not only their sins, but their diseases also. To answer these questions, we will deal with three claims that faith healers or evangelists hold today concerning atonement for physical healing. And before I go any further, I want to clarify this. You say, Mike, you don't believe in healing. No, I believe in healing. I want it understood up front that I believe God still heals people today. Amen? Amen. I believe that He can do anything He wants to do. Amen? And I can can also believe that anything that He wants to do, He can do it with ease. No problem whatsoever. The question I'm going to Try and answer is, is healing of the body in the atonement? And if so, how? To help clarify my answer, I want to first give you the claims of faith healers hold today. And these claims will be in the form of questions concerning healing of the body and atonement. Is it true, first of all, that healing is in the atonement? Is it true? Faith healers claim. That physical healing is in the atonement. Peter says that the atonement was for the physical ill. And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds we are healed. This is definitely a picture of healing uh, in the atonement for our sins. But is it for healing also of the physical? The question is, is anything else included in the atonement? Faith healers claim, Matthew 8, 16, that when they brought all these that were sick and ill to him, that uh, healing took place. He himself took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. And so they say that it proves that there is physical healing in the atonement. This definitely sounds to me like there must be physical healing in the atonement. It must have been included. So if redemption is in the atonement for, the, uh, for our bodies that, should mean that we have come to Jesus and say, in the name of Jesus, if that is so, in the name of Jesus, then uh, heal me of my blindness. Heal me of my uh, illness, whatever it might be. In other words, for it to be gone, for it not to have control over my body anymore. Now, which is right? Is it right or is it wrong? Or is it both? What happened at the atonement? Atonement means covering. It is when God and man are at oneness. Now it's the accomplishment of Christ on the cross. At the cross Jesus did away with sin, suffering, disease, death, and decay. Now, if that is so, then why are we still experiencing sin, suffering, death, and all of that? Before giving answer, we first answer another question. Has all of that happened? The answer is no. Yes and no in the sense as long as we see snakes crawling on their belly men working by the sweat of their brow women having pain in childbirth tornadoes, hurricanes, floods, devastation, disease and men's sin nature we can say that we are still in a sin-cursed world it hasn't been done away with but didn't Jesus take care of all that? yes he did But some of the healing is to be experienced in the future. The deliverance, total deliverance is to be experienced in the future. Amen? When we go to be with the Lord or when the Lord comes to take us, whichever it might be, we are going to be delivered from this. So yes, it is taken care of. Some now, some in the future. In other words, some now in the sense that if we, there's spiritual healing in the atonement for sure because if we come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness, there is forgiveness, there is the atonement that has has taken care of our sin right here and now. But as far as deliverance from sin and temptation, that will not occur until the future. So, Jesus takes care of all of that, yes. But some of the healing is to be experienced in the future. When we prayed for my dad and my mom to be healed and they passed on to be with the Lord. Was it because we didn't have enough faith? Was it because I had sin in my life or they had sin in their life that was unconfessed? Was it any of this? Or was it the future healing that was to occur with them because of God's will and His choice? When our bodies are resurrected and when Satan, sin, death, and hell is cast into the lake of fire forever, then we will be able to see and experience the things that Christ, all the things that Christ accomplished on the cross. We don't have it all now. We don't see it all. But we know that it's happened and some of it's for the future. Does this mean that God won't heal anyone now? No. It just means that not everyone will be healed physically now. I can't pray because I'm a preacher. Everyone's health into being if they're sick nor can you as a Christian but we can pray and trust God and we can see him work miracles and it's for his glory and then sometimes we see for his glory other things happening it just means that not everyone will be healed physically now complete healing will be experienced in the future Yes, some may be physically healed now, but not everyone. Second of all, did Jesus heal everyone who came to him? Matthew 8, 16. We read, and when evening had come, they brought him all these that were demon-possessed and were ill, and what did he do? He healed them. Yes, Jesus healed all that came to him. He did not turn any away that came to him. Now, if that is true, we know it is, then Jesus should not turn any away today, right? I mean, you know, if they're coming, Jesus be healed, physically and spiritually, right and wrong. We first need to, there again, understand why Jesus healed all those who came to him. And in Matthew chapter 11, and in verse 4, it talks about this. When uh, John the Baptist is in prison, uh, he's about to have his head cut off. What does he do? He may be having a little bit of doubt there about who Jesus is. So he sends some messengers out to find out if he's legit. If what he preached was true about him coming. That he was a fulfilled one. And what did Jesus tell him in verse 4? He said, would send this message back to him. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Why was Jesus telling John that? John knew exactly what Jesus was telling him. Jesus was telling him that the Old Testament prophets prophesied about a coming of the Messiah by saying that he would heal the sick, raise the dead and preach the gospel to the poor. And Jesus is saying, Yes, John, you don't have to worry about anything for I am the Messiah. And one of the proofs is that I heal the sick. This is the reason why Jesus healed all who came to him. He was proving who he was, the Messiah. Oh, yes, he cared for people and he wanted them to be healed, but his plan... He did things for a purpose. They didn't just happen. He did things for a purpose. In John 10, 37 through 38, he shares why Jesus healed sick. It was to prove that he was God, the Messiah. In John 20, 31, he says basically the same thing. He says, Jesus did many more miracles, but I only chose these miracles so that you might believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that believing, you may have life in his name. Now, why did Jesus do all these miracles? So they, as well as us, would know that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter at Pentecost stood up and preached and said, God gave Jesus these signs, wonders, and miracles so that you might believe in him as God's Son. God put a sign of approval on Jesus by giving him signs, wonders, and miracles as evidence to his Messiahship. So why did Jesus heal every person that came to him? It was to prove, one of the main reasons was to prove that he was the Messiah, God's son. Does that mean that Jesus needs to heal every person today that has their disease and comes to him? no. Why? Jesus is not here preaching the gospel and proving by signs, wonders, and miracles that he's the son of God. He's already proved that. Now we have the word of God, don't we? And we have the Holy Spirit to come and convict us. And after we're saved to teach us and affirm in our hearts that Jesus is God's son. Did Jesus physically heal every person that comes to him? He did then and for a reason. And that reason, as I said, was to prove who he was. But he did not heal Paul of his thorn in the flesh, did he? Who asked three times for it to be removed. And why was that? He said that he wanted him to find out that in his weakness he was made strong. Because he was depending upon God. 2 Corinthians 12, Paul asked three times for a thorn to be removed. From him three times God denied the request why did Paul not have enough faith Did Paul have some sin in his life unconfessed God answers why because God's power is made perfect in your weakness the reason why God chose not to heal Paul was because God's power could rest upon Paul in his weakness and what did Paul say in response He said, if that be the case, then I will boast about my weaknesses so Christ's power can rest upon me. In 1 Timothy 5, young Timothy has a stomachache, probably an ulcer. Maybe he worried too much. Water wasn't good to drink. So Paul told him to take a little wine for his stomach, a little medicine. Why didn't Paul tell Timothy to get the elders together and pray in faith for healing. Well, he may have already done that. We don't know. But Paul instead says, get some medicine and take it. In other words, take a little wine for your stomach. In 2 Timothy 4.20, Paul says, Erastus remained in Corinth, but Trophimus I left at Miletus. Paul had to leave a dear friend behind because he was sick. Paul probably had already prayed for Trophimus to be healed, but he realized it must not be in God's will for him to heal him at this time. Not the way he wanted him to be healed. In Hebrews eleven thirty-two, we have all these great happenings. Just read them. It says, And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Zephatha, of David, Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Boy, this sounds great, doesn't it? Man, just putting their faith in the Lord, seeing God at work. But then in verse 35, it says, and then there are others. Others were tortured. Uh Uh-oh, don't like this part. Not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others experienced mocking and scourging and yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They were... Uh, They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, wandering around in the deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. And all these, it says, were commenced for their faith but did not receive what was promised. These were not disobedient servants. They were faithful followers. Some God chooses to heal and deliver, while others who are just as faithful, He chooses not to heal or deliver. Why? Well, we mentioned a couple of reasons. We have mentioned uh, this about, uh, you know, God healing because He has a reason, and that is to prove His glory. Through that healing, for some reason or another, and to maybe increase that person's faith in, in his walk. And then other times, it's for dependence upon him. For more grace and more power. So why did God choose to heal all that came to Jesus when he was on earth? He did these, as we said, to prove who he was. Now, God has chosen not to reveal everything to us now. And we've got to accept that. So, we do have a couple reasons that are available to us for Him not doing this. And and one is for God to be honored and glorified through it all, whatever it might be. And the other, as I mentioned earlier, was just to remain faithful, dependent upon the Lord in doing so and seeing His power and grace uh, be expressed. In our lives and through our lives. With whatever hurt and pain we might be experiencing. And knowing that there is a third thing. There is the ultimate healing that will come in the future. And having that hope. Is there healing in the atonement? Yes, definitely. Does that mean that we can claim it today? Like some evangelists teach. No. Not everything that Jesus died for is seen today. Uh, You know, payable today, if you will. Does Jesus heal everybody? When he was on earth, he healed those who came to him to prove that he was the son of God. Does that mean that everybody will be healed every time they pray for healing today? No. Does that mean that we shouldn't uh, pray for it? No. It means that we should keep on praying. We just don't know everything about God. And so let's don't try to put him in a little box and make him work the way that we think that he ought to work. So if Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, then doesn't that mean that he will heal everyone just as he did while on earth? Well, in Hebrews thirteen eight, it tells us Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And since that is true, then he has responsibility to heal all that come to him with sickness, right? Wrong. Not the way we think it has to be, they have to be healed. This verse in Hebrews is talking about his nature, the same yesterday, today and forever. Not his deeds. God's nature is unchanging. He will never change who he is. God's deeds do change. In Hebrews 9 we read about the death of Christ. Jesus only had to die that death one time he only had to be raised from the dead one time he only had to ascend to heaven one time so when it says that Jesus is the same yesterday today and forever that does not mean that he needs to come again and die on the cross again to be raised again to ascend again it doesn't mean that we need to be judged by the flood again when jesus was on earth and healed people to show his deity that does not mean that he needs to do that again we have the word of god today so let's summarize yes there is healing in atonement does that mean that we can claim all healing today Yes and no. Yes, in the sense, if we're believers, we know that one day it's going to be future, but not everything for the present. Because of our resurrected body and our new heaven, new earth, it is yet to come. That is the blessed hope that we are looking for. Yes, Jesus did heal everyone who came to him while on earth. The reason being because he was proving who he was. That's one of the main reasons. We don't need this affirmation today through signs and wonders and miracles because we have the Holy Spirit to teach us. That means that Jesus is not obligated to do the same as he did when he was on earth. So, he does not heal everyone today who is sick. Not immediately. Is Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever? Yes, by nature. But not necessarily in deeds. Just because he does something... One day doesn't mean that he will repeat that action every single day. Let me say this. We need to understand that Jesus can heal anybody, whoever it might be. Well, if he doesn't, does that mean that I should quit praying? Does it mean that I should just give up? Does it mean that I had some kind of sin in my life or that person? No, it doesn't. We've got to remember that there is healing. And we don't know our ways are not God's ways. And we don't know everything that God is doing and why he's doing at that time. But we do know that he is is desiring to be glorified for whatever reason it is. Does that mean that we should give up on praying? No, we should continue to pray because he wants us to come to him and be dependent upon him. Realizing that He can do anything and and everything. But we're to trust Him for whatever comes our way. Does that mean that He heals people today? Yes, it means He heals people today. And we should pray for that. There's nothing wrong in that. But the ultimate healing that took place was a healing. Of atonement, which means that one day we're going to be all delivered from sin, sickness, Satan, and death forever. Because that's going to be cast into the lake of fire. Because Jesus took care of it all. We should continue to be strong. You see, what if we develop this mentality that? oh, well, I just didn't have enough faith or whatever. What can that cause? That can cause believers to, number one, think that they have the power to do it. Number two, that their God doesn't have the power to do it. Or number three, that there's some kind of sin maybe in my life or I just wasn't sincere enough. I didn't have enough faith. And it all falls back to what I didn't have. Instead of God. And then our God begins to get smaller and smaller in our world. We begin to have more and more doubt. And we begin to drift away from our faith, if not careful. What it does mean is, God can heal. He still heals. He will ultimately heal us in the future But he definitely heals us through the atonement now. Spiritually. Having our sins forgiven. Are your sins forgiven? Have you come to the cross? There's healing in the atonement. You see, it's not anything that you can do. There's a misnomer today about working for salvation, doing different things. If I just join the church, if I just get up there in the baptistry, that, you know, I heard somebody the other day on the phone saying to a family, well, if that person was baptized and they're saved, do the water save you? Signing a card when we have you come down, does that save you? Joining Sunday school, does that save you? You see, it's not in us. It all goes back to the atonement. For by grace are you saved, period, by faith. And then he goes on to say it's not of works, lest any of us should boast. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. That's in the atonement. Coming to Jesus and saying, Lord, I want you to save me. And being forgiven of your sins and knowing that God cares for you. And that whether it works out or not, whether we're healed from whatever it might be here, physically or not, we're going to be healed in the future, aren't we? And boy, I thank God that my sins have been forgiven, that I'm going to be delivered completely away from that, that temptation one day. I'm going to be with Him. Not only that, but I'm going to be able to get around a lot better than I get around today. I'm going to have the glorified body and that's great and if he chooses to heal and magnify himself through that with physical healing here on this earth then praise God that's just another thing of saying Lord I know you're still at work thank you for that But it's you that's doing it. Thank you for allowing me to be a part of your plan. Praying and depending upon you and asking you and requesting from you. Knowing and believing that you can still do it. And you answering prayer. Wow. Don't let anyone tell you and discourage you by saying you didn't have enough faith. Something wrong. If that person or if you are not healed physically. You're just trusting God knowing that he's in charge and he knows what he's doing. Let's bow our heads in prayer.